You are listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello, listeners. Thanks for coming back to Just Riding Along. Two quick things. One, go over to shopmbr.com. I've changed things up with the store uh, and added some options for the Just Riding Along shirt. There's 10 different colors of that logo shirt. So if you've seen it before, wanted to buy it, and it wasn't there in the tan, or you wanted a different color, go check that out, shopmbr.com. And just a reminder to continue to keep using the Amazon link. You can go to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR to find out more about that. And that's it. So enjoy this episode of Just Riding Along. Hello. Tonight's episode is brought to you by fucking ants. Sorry, I fucked that all up. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Brought to you by ants. Fucking ants. You got it. Ants uh, everywhere. We do have an action-packed show for the evening. Just as a reminder, you do have the option of going to shopmbr.com, and you can get all kinds of shirts and all kinds of colors. And with that, I hope to put a new product or two on the website this week. Um, one of them maybe this week. The other one might take two weeks, but I'm going to get something going probably tomorrow that's going to go on the website that's going to be good. So... Um, once I have a sample in hand, I can make it live and, and available for sale. So it's going to be good, I think. Um, but we do have a donation, and then I'll shut up. Michael F. from Ohio gave $25 with a very nice note. It says, hope everybody, hope everybody's move will bring new adventures. We'll be stopping in Wheat Ridge Cyclery next summer as I head back to Leadville. I ran a high tower and dropped off the drunken watermelon last July. At least I won't be getting weird looks from carrying that mofo around the shop this time. Happy trails, not to be confused with happy trees. So, um, <laughs> thanks, Mike. And one other note before we we uh, launch into our normal debauchery. Uh, if you stick around and wait till the end of the show, you will hear a listener-submitted song. So, boom. That's red. And as soon as we're done, that'll be played, and then that'll be the show. So... There you have it. Okay. All right. Who wants to go first? Uh, not me, because I've been talking and not drinking this whiskey. Okay. Kenny, how about you? You never go first. I never go first. Kenny we never. Not just Kenny. Been up. Kenny never goes first. He always finishes last. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, what are we talking about? Just what we've been up to. Mm-hmm. Nothing super extraordinary, just busy with work, really, just getting used to the new job and all that stuff. It just takes time to get to know everybody and know all the processes and all that. But there's going to be a ton to learn and a ton to do and a ton to grow with the new company. So, so far, so good for me. Just been doing a bunch of riding. And yeah, there's a lot of climbing out here, it turns out, but also a lot of descending, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, we've been doing some random adventures, just trying to get lost, basically. Like, go, hey, where does this trail go? Where does this trail go? Um, there's just so many gravel roads that link to, you know, some little deer trail that has then been modified by a moto. And there's just endless, endless trails. That's really the, the short of it. Um, yeah, that's been a really about it. So today we went to, I don't know the official name of it, so... I apologize for those people, but it's the 
you know, Utah Gravity Series or something like that. But it's like a local DH race. And uh, a friend of a friend or something like that said it was going on. So we were bored. So we just decided to go out there and go spectate and just check stuff out. So brought a chainsaw. That was fun. <laughs> Did it have of- the chain on it? <laughs> no. Okay. No, I didn't want to have an actual chainsaw that's pretty sketchy. Um, I just took the bar and chain and everything off it just to make it like easy to carry around and stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's just it was a two-stroke noisemaker is basically what it was. But it was fun. Just saw a <laughs> bunch of people. Uh, definitely five or ten of the folks were going like ridiculously fast, and everybody else was just like crashing and stuff. It was pretty fun. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I hate to laugh at people that crash, but there were a lot of crashes, like a lot. So I'll try to post up some video of that. There's some stuff on Twitter uh, right now if you want to check it out. I think I've got five or six good crash videos. But uh, yeah, it was, it was no full face Kenny on Twitter. Not full face Kenny. Okay, I thought it was no full face Kenny. <laughs> it is like the official handle is. So I guess the name that you can type in, like the more complete name, is not yeah. full face Kenny. And the uh, let's see. The at it's at no full face Kenny. Yeah, that's right. So at no full face Kenny, if you want to check those out, which will be in the show notes. Boom. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it was fun. It was just cool to do something different and spectate and just heckle people. And the whole heckle section was just basically hilarious as usual. You know, just people with air horns and you know people just playing music over megaphones and yelling at people. And uh, yeah, it was <laughs> it was definitely a good time. So hopefully not too distracting for the riders. But I think that's part of DH's. Uh, some people yelling and heckling and stuff kind of like cyclocross. Like, I don't think you can get upset at cyclocross. There's some guys like yelling at you as you're going by. So yeah, it's loud. There was even a loud spot on the cross country course. I was at wait, this weekend. Wh- wait a minute. Did you meet Amanda Batty? Uh, she might've been there, but she it's hard was. to like, yeah, pretty sure that she was racing, but like, I have no idea like what bike she rides or kit she's in or anything like that. But God, you uh, could have she- touched some listeners today. Yeah, she can chime in if she uh, if she witnessed the chainsaw or if it pissed her off or <laughs> who knows what. She gets mad by a lot of stuff. So, um, <laughs> um, but let's see. Yeah, that was about it. It was fun, basically, just hanging out. But yeah, been doing just the Utah riding stuff, and it's awesome. I still like my RKT. I can definitely see a bigger bike being a little bit better out here. Uh, when I say a little bigger, I mean like a little bit bigger, like a 120 bike. Yep. 120 rear, I think is perfectly well-rounded for everything. Again, me being a more cross-country oriented person, uh, occasional lift runs, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I'm still surprised people don't go faster on the downhills here. Um, <laughs> That's kind of weird, isn't it? It's so weird. I'm, I'm again, not saying I'm a badass. I'm not. Uh, and when it comes to the really, really sketchy, like full blown DH stuff, like that's just not me. But just you know, going fast on fast flowy stuff that I think people. I mean, you just, I mean, and it's just very odd to me. If you just kind of look at the, you know, if you look at the breakdown on Strava, basically, which is not the end all be all. I just think it's fascinating. It's a good sampling. I am, you know, just I mean, trails that I haven't ridden that much. I'm usually in the you know top five or ten percent of the downhill times and I'm like mid pack on the climbs. I just think that's really funny. Uh, cause I'm not like a weak climber. It's just, I just think it's funny that people don't go faster on the downhills. It's just so strange to me. Uh, but anyway, I could definitely see 
120 mil bike being a little bit better. Uh, I may get like a second bike and just see which one I end up riding more. I think that's probably the best way to do it. Get an RK. Oh, I've got my RKT. Uh, it still does great. And by the way, I've got, uh, it's still on back order, but I'm going to get that charger, uh, charger two damper drop in for it. And I think that's going to be really fun. So I can share with you guys what a three, two mil chassis charger, 120 mil fork would be like. So I'm assuming it's going to ride a lot like the new SID because that's pretty much what it is. But although the new SID's not available in 120, is that correct? That is correct. Yes. That's what I, I have a hundred mil SID with a charger. Yeah. What do you think about it? Can you tell a big difference in the damper? It is the, so I have the cable actuated remote lockout one. Yeah. And that's on the crave now because the highballs, bye bye. It went gone. Um, it's amazing. It needs to be rebuilt though. Um, we've talked about this before, but uh, both Ben and I have ran our SIDs out of oil. So we have oil on order and I'm going to rebuild both those forks this week. Nice. Nice. But, uh, but so it's my good. forks do for a rebuild and I'm going to get that damper, but they're back ordered, I think until at least July, uh, at least according to quality. And there's one other thing I was going to get crap. I don't remember now. I'll, sh- I'll maybe throw some pictures up. I'm experimenting with moving my DI2 battery around. It was in, long story short, it was in my seat post. I may have talked about this on a previous show, but it was in my seat post. had to take it out to get it on a, a buddy's rack, and it, I just forgot that I had a DI2 battery in there, and I just yanked the seat post out. And <laughs> <laughs> I just forgot. Like I, just, I never moved my seat post, so it just never occurred to me. <laughs> and, of course, I ripped the cable out. I didn't break anything, but the problem was, it didn't just pull out at the battery. It pulled out of the damn junction box, like in my bottom bracket and it's a press fit bottom bracket. And I'm not about to like, I just, I couldn't mess with it on the side of the trail, but luckily since it did pull the entire wire out, I just plugged it into my uh, front junction box. I had an open port up there and then I just zip tied my battery to my top tube. And I've been riding like that for a month. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I've been riding like that for about a month and it's been fine, but I got the, steer tube thing now but i've got to figure out how to make my steer tube setup work because right now i just don't have a star nut in there at all so if i have to adjust my stem i'm going to be in trouble uh but there's a cool problem solvers it's either problem solvers or wheels manufacturing it's problem solvers and they make a little it almost looks like the piece that goes on a bb30 sram crank it's got like threads on one side and a nut on the other and it'll just expand out so I'm going to put that underneath my stem, and then you tighten it down, and then that's how you actually tension your stem instead of a star nut. And that leaves a hollow uh, opening in the steer tube for the battery to live. Have, and now i got to figure out other weird stuff like where to put the top cap and all that kind of jazz. But Have you seen those um, – who makes that? Specialized makes a three-pronged star nut, and those work pretty well. Oh, uh, yeah. ha- what do you mean three-pronged star nut? Well, a normal star nut is four prongs. Like sure. it's it's star shaped, so imagine like a three pointed star. The yeah, problem so is the battery goes in from the top of the steer tube. That's how this little special rubber holder made by Shimano, that's how that works. And it works really well. And that way it's never gonna like fall out of the bottom of your fork or anything weird because it's got a little uh stopper, like a rubber stopper at the top. The, it, it's made to be used with, I think it's called the Tharsis line, T-H-A-R-S-I-S. They make some stems that have that nut built into the bottom of them, but they only make it in like a negative 
rise. And I'm not really interested in that. Um, luckily, the RKT, even though I run goofy rise, the RKT with the 120, I only run like a 10 mil spacer under my stem. So it's not as crazy as it used to be. However, I just don't really want to, I just don't want to run that stem. I could, and it would definitely work. And it's made for DI2 specifically, uh, like for a steer tube battery. So anyway, I'll take some pictures of that to share it with people. I don't think there's a whole lot of folks out there trying to run DI2 and let alone try to run a DI2 battery in the steer tube. Uh, but I'm going to try that. Another reason I'm going to do that is because ultimately I probably will get a dropper seat post out here and give it a good go, but I just can't do that with my current setup. So it's got a long story short, that sucker has got to move to the steer tube and I got to figure out a way to make it happy there. That's about it for me. Just having fun riding, climbing, like doing tons and tons of climbing. Um, (laughs) You get pretty used to it. And like all of a sudden you're just like, it seems way more normal. Yeah, for sure. That's about it for me. Nothing else like super duper exciting or anything. Just, yeah, busy, like super busy. I get to ride about three times a week. Um, yeah. Uh, what about you guys? Ladies uh, first. I race, <laughs> I race the uh, Colorado State Championship cross-country race over the weekend, and I am your unofficial women's single speed Colorado state cross country champion. And it's unofficial because I don't hold an annual license. So they technically USA cycling will not call me the state champion, but I, I won the race. I I don't know. I haven't looked because it doesn't really matter. Um, I don't know if the the other woman who is racing single speed um, was, is an annual license holder either. So it just doesn't matter. But uh, it's cool, though. Like, I rolled up to the start line. It was an eagle. <clears throat> I rolled up to the start, and I uh, I was standing there, and the, uh, gosh, what's her name? Uh, Sam, or Samantha. She she was like, aren't you from Memphis? I was like, I used to be. I'm not anymore. And we talked. She's from Missouri and uh, knew me from racing around, like, Arkansas and stuff. So that was pretty cool. Um. Yeah, I was really, really stoked. The course was good. It was short. It was like 19 miles, so uh, it took about an hour and a half, and my power was really good. It's better than it has been uh, any of the other times that I've, like, raced or anything. Like, I'm probably, like, my power is at its best now since I moved to Colorado. Like, in the past two years, like, I'm faster now than I have been. So, I'm really excited. I'm going to do the GoPro games, games next week because... There's an actual payout for single speed. Uh, it's first place 500, second place I don't remember, and third place is 100. So um, I'm going to give that a shot and see if I can make a little money. Should be good. Sweet. So the, the course for the GoPro games, you climb up the ski hill in Vail and then descend back down. You just like climb up the ski access road from what I've heard from my intel. And... uh it's 2,000 feet of elevation gain on a seven-mile loop. So it's going to be hard. It's two laps of that for single speed. How many feet in seven miles again? Well, the loop is seven miles. Oh. It's 2,000 feet of gain, and you go to the top of the hill and then back down. Gotcha. So it's probably, yeah, I'm guessing like four miles is going to be the up 
Yeah, it's probably, so probably two thousand feet and four miles or something. I could go look it up on Strava or something, but I, I don't even want to think about it. It's just going to be a long, a long climb. But that's sort of everything. I always think like I, I never write this shit down. Like I think of all these things to talk about. Oh, one thing. This has nothing to do with like what I did in the last week. Um, well, sort of. So someone from Yeti was at the shop, and I rode with him and one of the shop owners, and uh, <laughs> he was on a Yeti 5.5, I think. I'm pretty sure. I think it was a 5.5. It doesn't matter. Yeti is real, like, the 4.5 and especially the 5.5. Those are their, like, newer 29er, like, enduro trail bikes. The 4.5 is a little smaller. The 5.5 is bigger. And I just thought it was really funny that Yeti's making so much money off of that now, and they have, like, they have names that are similar to, uh, you know, like, the rest of the Yeti line. Because it wasn't really that long ago, and I say not that long ago, because it's been since I started riding mountain bikes in 2009-ish. Sometime 2010 or 11, Yeti was like, yeah, we're going to make a 29er, and we're going to call it the Big Top, because 29ers are clown bikes. And they made fun of 29ers and talked about how stupid they are and how they're only for cross-country racers. And, you know, it was kind of like how Chris King was like, yeah, XD driver bodies are just going to – they're a fad and they're going to go away. So now Yeti's making a bunch of money off of 29ers, and they're just hoping that all the bros buying those just don't pay attention to back when they made it, something called a clown bike or a big top. Back because then, hoes didn't bike. want me. No, I'm hot. They all want me. <laughs> So, first World Cup downhill race, uh, 2017, was just one. Greg Miniar on a 29er. Oh, boy. Yep. By a decent margin. It was like three and a half seconds. I don't wow. believe that, was the, that wasn't the first race. Uh, maybe not the first, but of 2017. No. I think three or four people. Oh, is it not? No, there was a really bad rained out race. So, uh, okay. what happened at the first race that was bad weather? So, like, some dude that qualified, I'm going to make it up, like, 77th or some garbage. Like, he won because the weather conditions turned so poor over the day that, like, you just, you couldn't go fast. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't realize that. But anyway, long story short, there's probably at least four, five, six guys on 29ers. I'm not sure what the women's field's like, if any of them are on 29s yet. Uh, but anyway, it was pretty funny and a really cool quote from one of the commentators on the men's race, he said towards the end of the race, uh, he said basically, oh, okay, hmm, 29ers don't suck. <laughs> and, I, and I just laughed. That was so good. Yeah, so the bros are figuring it out finally. Well, they're going to be pissed. Like the pink bike people are not going to embrace this for like at least another six years. They're going to be super mad. But, I mean, it <laughs> well, is. Well, no, because Yeti, Yeti, Yeti says it's okay to ride a 29er now. So the bros are going to be okay with it. <laughs> I've already seen the comment like, oh, you know, I'm going to go from 26 to 29 because 27.5 is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It probably, you know, I, I imagine it, it has a little bit to do with the course as well. Um, you know, as far as like the bumpiness to twistiness ratio of it. Um, probably dictates which, um, 
you know, which bike is going to be faster. But I don't know. I don't race downhill, so that's that's just my educated guess. I have a sneaking suspicion that more and more and more people are going to be on them. Right now, a lot of these people's teams just don't have a 29er bike to offer them, so they just are going to kind of sit there. It was really funny listening to some of the uh, comments on it, too, like when they're interviewing people. And some of the riders were basically saying, they couldn't really say it, but you could tell they were saying it. Hey, I really wish I was on a 29er. I've seen everyone else like rip on them and I really want one, but my team doesn't have one to give me. Yeah. (laughs) Which is really funny. (laughs) Oh, I have another funny uh, bike industry thing or unfortunate bike industry thing. Am I going to talk about my week at any point or? Yeah, just, just one second. Hold on. Uh, today I finished up a build on a specialized stump jumper and it had been, it was a rental bike. So it was set up tubeless and the tubes, um, you know, like the, the person who started building it yesterday left the tubes and some stuff on my bench to like finish it up. And, uh, I went to put the tube into the SWAT sleeve that came with the bike. So these are tubes that came with the bike. And the SWAT sleeve that came with the bike. And the tube does not fit properly into the SWAT sleeve. Like you're supposed to fold it up and then tuck it in these little pockets inside the sleeve. And then wrap the sleeve around it and Velcro it. And I basically just had to like wrap the sleeve around it and kind of fold the tube in half lengthwise. And it barely Velcroed. And I had to just like jam it up into the down tube of the bike. And it was uh, it was something. It was a thing. So congratulations, Specialized, on making non-compatible parts and putting them all together in a bike. <laughs> all right, that's it. Matt, you go. Okay, so we recorded um, last Sunday. And this is a huge shout-out to two companies. Um, one being Trek Bicycles and their home brand or house brand of Bontrager. Um, and the other being Riverbrook Cycles or Riverbrook Bike and Ski, I guess, um, here in Hayward. So Monday I cruised over to, uh, Riverbrook and I dropped off my broken rally helmet that I did not buy from them. And I explained the situation of, Hey, I, you know, I bought this from Trek directly. I don't have a receipt, but I have my email confirmation that has my Trek order number in it. Can you submit it for me? Oh, of course. And Thursday, I got an email from Emma that was like, hey, your new helmet's in. So uh, it says it on their website, and they come through super quick. Both Riverbrook didn't like sit on my helmet for a month, and Trek didn't sit on it. Uh, they didn't charge Riverbrook any shipping. Um, I double-checked with them to make sure that they weren't going to like pay out of pocket because I didn't buy the helmet from them. Um, so no shipping, really fast turnaround, and I have a new Rally MIPS and Camouflage for free. Because I bought a helmet from Trek and crashed it, and they took care of it. So it's it's really awesome. Um, and I say they took care of it like it's their fault. Like they offer that up, and like it was very smooth and seamless. So huge, that's, huge, that's awesome. awesome thing. That's really cool. So now that I know that they fit my head, I'll have a really hard time buying a not Trek helmet in the future, or Bontrager, whatever Bontrager. <laughs> I'm a little between their small and medium sizes, so I don't, the shape of it's okay, but I just, like, the small's a little small, and then the medium's, like, a little big, so I just, I like the Smith helmet a lot, 
but that's um, really cool that you found it, helmets are like saddles you know like one person's gonna think something like a smith helmet is square compared to their skull and i like smith helmets and neither one of us is wrong yep so uh also in taking it way back news railing an old favorite the crave is back in like nearly its penultimate form and i'm really stoked <laughs> about it um Sid World Cup Fork level TLM brakes, um, Industry 9 front wheel so far. I haven't gotten the rear wheel on yet, but I'm going to put gears and the Industry 9 rear wheel on it this week with the tie seat post and the carbon Thompson bar. It's pretty sick. <laughs> so um, I'm really stoked. Are you still running those clapped out i9 crests that I built for you like eight years ago? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who says they're clapped out? <laughs> I, I, I just can't kill them. I keep saying, like, the next time I have to do a major true, the rear rim has to be replaced, and it just won't happen. Like, <laughs> I, like, rage them, and nothing happens. And I'm like, man, these wheels are pretty good, um, which is really, it's really awesome. Uh, I'm really happy with those. I I like, I've been running a DT350 rear with a 54 two. Uh, ratchet upgrade, star ratchet upgrade, and I've been really happy with that. But man, I don't know. I, I don't even have enough springs to run my i9 at 120. I only have five springs, so the i9 will if be you 60. Call i9 or email them, they'll send you some fucking springs. Okay, I have other stuff to do. I've been really <laughs> you don't want to run that at 120 anyway. 60 is way better. Plus, no, it's not. Yeah, plus, you know what? i9 i9 wheels, and you know what else is like the same way is the spur cycle bell. Both of them, they're like fancy as fuck. They work really, really well. And once you use them, you don't want to use, like, it's not that other stuff doesn't work. It's that other stuff just isn't as awesome to ride with. Like, I I need to put a bell on my commuter bike. I need a bell on, like, my full suspension bike. But I don't want to use, like, a cheap-ass bell because now I have this spur cycle bell and I just won't buy the cheap ones and use them because I'll hate them every time I use them. And it's the same way with like the, the stands wheels I got, like they don't suck. They work, they work well, but they're not I nine wheels. And I, I kind of don't like them because of that. Yeah. So <laughs> I will say DT with a 54 tooth ratchet, the don't, don't email in and tell me how wrong I am, please. But the way that a star ratchet works the engagement feels different. It feels softer, doesn't it? So it doesn't clunk as hard because it's softer. It doesn't clunk. Yeah. Yeah. Like it feels, it's got like a little bit of, it engages quickly, but it's got that little bit of like extra squish. I can't describe it, but I know exactly. It's like letting out a clutch almost. It's weird. And I think it's because it's just a, such a small diameter where it's engaging compared to, uh, an I nine, I'm guessing. But, yeah, could oh, be. I see what you're saying. So I think just the f- nature of the flex of that thing, because it's so tiny. If you really look at it, all that torque is being uh, moved in like a one-inch area, whereas the i9 might be a two-inch area or something like that. Right. So, so that's what yeah. I felt. But I've been really happy with that. I just honestly, if my 350 was laced to a new crest, I wouldn't put the i9s back on. But it's laced to a different rim. That's a, it's a weight penalty, and it's a good bit narrower. So, ideally, I would take the i9 hubs that I have and rebuild them 
with silver spokes to new crests, but to kind of let the cat out of the bag, I'm not I'm gonna need boost in the next six months. So I'm not gonna I'm gonna run what I have until it doesn't work. And then one wheel set will end up staying with the crave and then I'll have a, a different wheel set for the next bike in the future. So um but other stuff, so uh, the Crave is nearly in like the most balling form it's ever been in, which I'm really excited about. Um, and let's see, uh, sorted out the Creek and my top fuel, Andrea, really good. She knows what she's talking about. And 99% of my noise is coming from something she told me it was that I overlooked because I was just being stubborn. So <laughs> finally took apart what she said was probably the noise and it was 99% of the noise in that bike. So there you go. Main pivot. That main, that main pivot though. Yep. Um, so did a bunch of stuff to Ben's bike today, which is kind of, well, actually, I don't know if you haven't noticed, we've been doing a bunch of stuff for mountain bike radio. Uh, I think we posted a show almost every day this week, which was pretty cool. Um, helped record a show with Andrea last night, the night before last, uh, uh Friday night. night. Friday night, yeah. The other day is Sunday. So, yeah, it was two nights ago. And then Saturday, I didn't race the Bora Epic. I kind of wish that I had, and I didn't, and I wavered. And I decided I'm going to race next weekend instead. Um, so, I didn't race Bora Epic this weekend, but I went and watched and saw a couple of people that I knew. Um, met Steve, guy that used to be on the last aid station with Mark. Met Brady Howe. Uh, super fan listener guy, um, which was pretty cool. Had a beer with him. It was awesome. Um, I rode pretty hard that morning for like mm, under an hour, but I did like a couple of really hard efforts. And then I worked in the garage and then we went and watched part of the race and I took a bunch of pictures and then had some beers and I was like, Oh, I'm definitely way too hungry for this. So I got like <laughs> mid afternoon drunk yesterday. Um, and then and rode today. home. Today was only like a a fleeting moment of drunkenness. Um, so today I got up and I went out and I was going to do a pretty, I say long, I'm still familiarizing myself with like the area and, and where roads go and stuff, but I wanted to ride my cross bike today and it has specialized Roubaix. It had specialized Roubaix 3032 tubeless ready tires on it and um, I definitely killed one today. So I was going... And for those of you that are familiar with this area, I was on Phipps Farm Lane, which is a gravel road. And my plan was I was going to ride from one intersection to the next intersection. I didn't know how long that was going to take me. Just on the money, like as hard as I could. Um, and then I was going to kind of loop back around, come back by the trails. And then I was going to evaluate my time and see how I was feeling and maybe do another like loop of that to do a pretty hard effort. Um, and I know that there's some stuff out there. I just don't know it yet. So I knew that this would be a place that would be low traffic. Um, and I really wanted that. I wanted to be able to do some like headphones in head down, hard riding. Um, and I was drilling it. Uh, this road is, if you're not familiar up North, 
in northern Wisconsin, there's a lot of roads that are ATV routes. So in the summertime or you know year round, you can ride like an ATV or OHV vehicle on the road. And then in the wintertime, often there's a like just off the road path that you can drive your snowmobile on. And this is an ATV route and it is very blown out. So you had to be, or I had to be like pretty comfortable. I was doing, I was trying to stay under 350, like uphill and over 250 downhill. Like I was trying to like probably over 200 downhill. I was just trying to roll. Uh, what was happening downhill is I was kind of trying to avoid getting going too terribly fast. Um, you had to be comfortable with like a, a four foot variance in your line. Cause you would like start drifting and not be able, you didn't have enough traction to like stay in like a 18 or 24 inch wide thing. You had to be comfortable going three or four feet to the right. You know, if you're sweeping a left-hand corner, you had to be comfortable drifting way right or way left. Um, and I was drilling it and everything's like loose and the bike's doing great and you know, no problems. Um, I was running pretty decent pressure in the tires, probably like 35 in the front and 36 or 38 out back. And they're pretty big. They measure 36 on my wheels. So it's not terribly crazy pressure. Um, but I was like in the good tire rut, like the truck rut. And then I like saw it, but it was too late. Um, there was like a baby head rock sticking out and it was like a tiny one, you know, it was like smaller than like, I don't know, the bottom of like a quart jar sticking up and I just slammed it. I was like leaned over pedaling a little bit and slammed it like fully seated. And I was like, I was like that dent of the rim or flat of my tire. And I was like, and I bounced on it. And I was like, ha, don't have a flat. And I was just like hammering away. And then I don't know. I always think when I have a flat that my bike is drunk. Cause like, it's like the back end isn't listening to the front end anymore. And it's just like, no, I'm going to go over here. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, which tire was it? The, the, I pinched flat of the rear. So it was just soft. Let, and I, no, which, just what, like, at what tire, like, brand? The tire model. that I said when I started Specialized Roubaix 3032 tubeless. Sorry, I missed that part. Um, And then I pulled over and I was like, oh, this is, I was like, there's no sealant crap i just don't have sealant in here so i like pulled the wheel off and i shook it and i was like oh there's liquid in there so i pumped it up a bunch and then i like it just started leaking and i shook it and i was like oh and it sealed so i like i pushed down on the tire and it was fine and i pushed the sidewall and it started leaking again and i was like oh this sucks and i like literally like started to reach for a tube and i like looked at the gravel i was on and i was like that's pointless like there's no reason. I'm just going to pinch flat my tube if I put a tube in here. So I just aired it up like a bunch and just hauled back off the gravel and like rode pretty easy, but still like easy as in like I coasted downhill and then would like hammer the flats and uphills. And I got back to the pavement and I aired it up and I aired it up like a lot once I was on the pavement and then I just rode home. So I got a kind of short ride in today, but I put some tires on my bike when I got home that... Ah, uh, I, I don't, mm, I have tires and they're cool and I'm just going to have to leave it at that. I don't know. I can't find them on the company's website and the tires don't have labels on the side. So let's just say that my Crockett now has tires that are really, really big. Um, and 
I am going to ride those in the morning on the same route and see what happens. So are they 27.5 or are they 700? No, they're 700. So I'm actually in like a tire, like you could say Ben and I are in like a, a, our tire cup runneth over right now. Um, okay. So when we went to, uh, Almanzo, Guitar Ted came out to help us work the riding gravel aid station and he brought, uh, Ben and I each a set of tires. So he brought Ben a set of, set of, I think they're Riddler 47s or 45s, uh, the WTB tire. And he brought me a set of Horizon 47s. And I still have a pretty fresh set of, no, they're not Horizons. Gosh, what are those tires called? Byways? Does anybody know? I don't know. No clue. Oh gosh, I have to Google. I'm this into now. mountain biking, not gravel riding. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be ugly. Come on, guys. Uh, yeah. So I have a set of Horizons, and I've had those for a while. And he gave me a set of Byways. Um, and then Ben and I each. Well, I guess Ben got two sets of tires from someone else, and. One set is honestly, I put it on my bike today because I didn't think it was going to fit and it fit. And I'm really, really like, I'm like, mm, I don't know, kind of skeptical that it fits. Like, I think the sizing on that tire has to either be a little wrong or the sizing on another tire has to be a little wrong. And I don't have a pair, a nice pair of calipers to measure the tires I have. And I, I don't even own the other tires, so that's out of the question. Um, so, yeah, there's I'm like an, I'm tire rich right now, uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go out and ride the the uh, what you call it, it's pretty hard. Those those tires, I can't say what they are. Actually, I'm glad I forgot the name that I that I know they will be. Um, but gosh, where was I going with that? I'm also going to ride those 650 tires some as well, but it, I just wanted to see if those tires would fit my bike and they do. And I want to ride those 650 some. I just, I'm really curious to see how they'll do because they will have a little bit smaller rollover. Um, but they do keep the bottom bracket low, which makes the bike. I honestly enjoyed riding those tires. They were just a little bit slower, but I don't have anyone to really ride with here. Like in the sense of like a group ride or like I don't really have to worry about getting dropped uphill either because there's no climbing. Um, I looked on my Garmin and my 18, I wrote down some stats while you guys were talking about climbing a lot. My 18.7 mile ride had 338 feet of climbing. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely <laughs> flatter places. I mean, it's not much, it doesn't get much flatter, you know, you know, you'd have to there ride it like the coast. Places. You well, have to ride in Memphis. Yeah. But I mean, coming from, Denver, this is really flat, you know, and it's not yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I guess in Denver you could do a ride this flat, but I like went to the place to do intervals. You know, there's no big hill. There's no big climb. It's like the climb by the house here is like over two minutes. So that's good. It's like two and a half or two forty five. <laughs> it's pretty good. That's awesome. I mean, you just oh, have I to, had, you just have to do it hard, keep going. but yeah, so I got a flat this morning. I put a bunch of bike tire, put a bunch of bike stuff together this afternoon. We're getting Ben set up with a really, really nice setup. Actually, um, 
He has a Trek, an older Trek Superfly carbon frame, and he had ordered a SID to put on one bike, and he kind of changed direction. So the SID is on the Superfly with, um, because I put level TLMs on my Crave, my old XT brakes went over to his Superfly. So his, uh, gosh, what is that thing? El Mariachi single speed could stay single speed. And he's going to have a bike with um, a SID, and he has a nice carbon seat post and carbon frame, and he's going to be running, really interesting to know, a box 11-speed group on that bike. That's really cool. That's going to come in the mail, and we're going to get to put that on and play with it. We, After that listener sent in that question, that was like, hey, you guys, and you were like, Andrea was like, email box. And the guy sent me an email. He's like, I emailed Box. And I emailed him and was like, hey, I just wanted to follow up. One of our listeners said they emailed you, and I sent him a link to the show and whatnot. And, you know, 10 back and forth later, a group was in the mail. So we're going to get to try that stuff out. So it'll be cool. That's really cool. That's yeah. super cool. I have I have a random work listener story If when you're finished. I'm getting there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. I worked on bikes a bunch today, which was fun. Um, like, I said earlier, did I say that in the show? I can't remember. Yeah, I'm going to rebuild our two SIDs later this week. They both feel like they're out of oil, so it's a bummer. But when I say out of oil, like in the lowers, it just doesn't feel like it has lubricating oil. It's really dusty where we raced two weekends ago, so it's pretty, uh, pretty gross feeling. You know, it just has like... St- when a fork has stiction before it rebounds, it's just bad feeling, you know? So, Try that yeah. Fox 20 weight gold. I'm afraid 20 weight would puke out of the top. What are you talking about? 20 weight that's like heavier than what you normally put in there. Heavier, right. So it's stickier. Yeah, it's a little sticky. Yeah, so that I don't would be know the- because the Fox seals are made different or a little different than the RockShox seals. So I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't do that. Don't be scared. I do it on all my stuff. My rear shocks got it in there. It's mm. a Fox. Awesome. <laughs> So yeah, and so I'm like fucking it all up. It's great. I nine hates you put, me because I tell people to use tenacious oil, and then I've you're got, gonna you're gonna like put twenty weight gold in your I nine hub, and it's gonna just like it might work great. It's gonna turn itself inside out, and it's gonna it's gonna have some kind of mutation where it's gonna kill you in your sleep. <laughs> uh, yeah, twenty weight gold in the lowers of Rock Shocks works fantastic, and I've been using it as uh, air can lubricant in Fox rear shocks as well, instead of the blue stuff. Well, it, it kind of has the same consistency as the blue stuff. Like exactly. it's a little thick. I don't, I don't see a problem as much of a problem there, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be putting it in other shit. Oh, it's fine. You, they use it in Fox forks and it's new and it's awesome. Yep. <laughs> the only thing I would say is if you, you, it may feel great, but you probably run a higher risk of running out of oil sooner. I don't know how you would. I mean, it's thicker. It's a higher viscosity. It shouldn't leak out of those seals. As the, the foam but wipers it, in the Fox that come with the Fox stuff are like a dense, like a really dense texture. And the ones with rock shocks are more like open and airy feeling. Oh, you guys are so scared. Nope. What I was going to say is when you have a heavier weight oil, it's less likely to, what would you call that? Like run down the lowers. Like splash. It's, no, it's less likely to collect down by the rebound knob and more likely to stay up by the wiper. 
which sounds great on paper until you overload the wiper area and more oil comes out of the seal because it gets overloaded up top. Oh, you guys are all scared. Just try it. Let me know how it works. I'm just saying there's, there's someone at rock shock that gets paid a lot of money to tell me what weight oil to use. All I want to do is verify the right amount is in there. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, people always say that, you know, they're like, oh my God, only use whatever demand tech in I nine. And I've done that and it's fucking terrible. And tenacious oil works so well. Like it just does. It's not yeah, terrible. But 15 weight in your SID works. It's not like 15 weight doesn't work and 20 not weight really. does. I mean, zero W 30. They don't put what? any, that probably work great. They don't put well, any in the 15, pike in the pike. You put zero W 30. They don't put any oil in rock shocks from the factory anyway. So that's why we need to open our two new forks and put oil in them. So, yeah. Um, do you guys want to do questions? Yeah, yeah let's do that. I, got, hey, I, I had today greatest thing ever. One of my coworkers, I mean, all my coworkers think it's cool that I do. Yeah, you know, I have new coworkers. They all think it's pretty cool I do a podcast. One of them is like a little bit, I think, kind of unnecessarily starstruck by it. And I told him, uh, I warned him, like, someone might bring in maple syrup. Uh, well, Actually, last week, some people did bring in maple syrup, and he saw the bottle, but he didn't see them. And he's like, where did this come from? And I told him. He's like, oh, my God. And he kind of, like, flipped out a little bit. And then today, I was literally standing next to him in the front of the shop, and these two people walk in. And they're like, is there an Andrea around here? Like, they had no idea. Like, they weren't bike people. They didn't know anything about going in a bike shop. They were just in town. And I don't remember if it was the woman's brother or the guy's brother is a listener and heard that they were in Salida and said, hey, do you mind going and buying a bottle of maple syrup and taking it to the bike shop and giving it to Andrea? That's awesome. (laughs) And so this guy like that was awesome. And my coworker, Josh, like totally he I think he peed a little bit like he was so amazed by this and he's like oh my god did you guys know that andrea is famous like this is crazy people are bringing her maple syrup and they don't even know her like people are sending people to take to to take maple syrup to to andrea and uh so now i am i have enough maple syrup to last me at least another like couple of months if you're in salida and you want to do something that would really entertain me go in the shop Take something random. It doesn't. You could pick up a rock off of the ground. It doesn't matter. A flower, a rock, some maple syrup, so like an apple, whatever. Pick a random as the most random object you can find in the town. Go in the shop and ask for Josh, and be like, Josh, I heard about you on the Just Riding Along podcast. Here, this is what I'm, I'm giving you. Like. Take this. This like this is for you. Like it would just be funny because he he's like overly excited about about the podcast and <laughs> it's it just would it would make me laugh a lot more than anything else and that's all that matters. Oh, with that, uh so before we do this real quick stuff, questions. Um gosh, I took one of the little things off. I have those headphones that have those things that clip on there. That like make them fit in your ears better. 
And I was like yeah. cleaning them while you were talking. And now, oh, there it is. It wouldn't, oh, it ripped a little bit. It wouldn't go back on. And then I ripped it. Oh, geez. Um, oh, geese. Oh, geese. Honk. Um, I got to drink a beer with one listener this week. And then I got to have coffee. Well, they had lunch. Ben had coffee. And I just sat there all awkward like because I wasn't really hungry. And I knew if I had more coffee, I would probably just explode. Um, so I just kind of like sat and chatted. But yeah, I saw some other listeners this week. And I actually like took a picture of me touching one of them. Took a picture of me touching <laughs> Ben. So that was funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So questions. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We have a question and this one we're going to argue over already cause we've already argued over it. But Matt from Vancouver says longtime listener, first time, whatever, straight to the point, planning on servicing the lowers on my 2016 rock shock lyric. According to SRAM, I need to use zero W 30. And obviously they recommend their own brand after having looked around, it would appear that this shit is hard to come by up here. One mechanic recommend going to a motor shop, Canadian Tire, what an original name, A, eh? and buy motor synthetic oil or motocross suspension oil. I'm not too sure about how I feel about this, especially after he stated that 5W30 or 0W40 would be fine. I was reluctant and told him I'd reach out to the JRA team, and he said that he would listen in to prove correct. I ain't calling him out on it. I'm just a little dubious. Thank you for your time. Keep up with the awesome show. It helps me unwind after my shifts on ambulance, maple syrup on its way, and come ride the North Shore here. <laughs> Shit's tight. Cream, get the money, dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Matt. And I just responded to, I did, I did, a, I did a quick Google, and I found some 0W30 oil. And I told him that the other guy we could trade we could trade maple syrup for Canadian maple syrup for zero w thirty no I mean you can buy zero w thirty in Canada and you can get maple syrup in America, so you don't have to like international <laughs> trade this stuff um, but I sent him an email that was a link to zero w thirty from like another really original name. It was like Canada bike supplier dot a or something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh i said i'm not saying your guy's wrong but i am saying here's a quart of it for not very much money you could use what you need keep half the bottle and give him the rest so he has some yeah so. yeah that would work so i'm gonna throw out my two cents is i like to do <laughs> shit you, i like to do shit you're not supposed to do because it makes people nervous um but honestly if you really think about it like we're talking about lubricating some stanchions on here. If you're talking about damper oil, yes, it really, really, really matters what you use because that is what's going to determine the behavior of your fork, really. So that's super duper important. It's going through all kinds of tiny little holes and needles and check valves and springs and all kinds of shit. And if you get that wrong, like your fork's going to be terrible. So that's a big deal. But I mean, lubricating oil, I mean, eh. It's like motor oil. People argue about that until they're blue in the face. And at the end of the day, if it's like clean and the right amounts in there, it's probably going to be pretty good. That's really about it. People would argue on the motorcycle forums like, oh, you got to use this special stuff. Oh, I use this. Oh, I use diesel oil or whatever it is. I'm serious. Like that's what people used uh, on like when I had an SV650. Everybody swore you used Rotella T diesel oil. And I did. And it worked fine. I don't know. I mean, it's like what people did. Um, but yeah, you could probably put freaking motor oil in your lowers, like in your lowers, not in your damper, in your lowers. And it's probably fine. 
uh, gold, Fox oil, 20 weights, probably fine. The 15 weight that rock shocks puts in there is fine. They used to use five weight, except that would like, yeah, that was kind of terrible actually. Um, <laughs> Just I'll play play around with it, and I'll do the same. Actually, I will. Uh, I've been using the gold stuff, and it's been good. I'll tell you guys what: on this next rebuild, when I do my charger damper, I will go get some synthetic motor oil, and I'm just going to dump it in the lowers and see what happens. Because who cares? Yeah, it'll and, be fine. And I, I agree with you 100. percent Like if you have no oil or obviously dirty oil in your lowers, and you put fresh in there, that's better than not doing it. But if it's not too much harder to use what's recommended or if you have to buy something, like say you're a home mechanic and you don't have anything, buy the right stuff, right? I mean, would you agree with that? Uh, I mean, yes and no. It's funny, like what's recommended, yes, sometimes there's a lot, a lot of really good research that goes into it, but a lot of times they just spec something and they're like, yeah, this is what we used, it's fine. And then people will take that as the gospel, like, oh my God, you got to do this. And then it's really funny, inevitably, some inside tech will come out and be like, yeah, that stuff works fine, but hey, we've used this and this, and it really does the same thing. And everyone's like, oh, I didn't know that. You could do other stuff, and it's still fine. <laughs> so anyway, just don't be scared. That's that's what I'll tell you. Word. Okay. Rapid fire. Dan from Connecticut wanted to make sure that we saw that the record-setting bass was caught using chicken nuggets. <laughs> and that'll make the show notes for sure. So... I love how nugget facts come our way now. It's really awesome. Um, so another rapid fire, just a note. Uh, Michael from the East Coast broke the drive side hub flange off of his Neo hub also. Oh, boy. So Damn. That's more of I, a... I hope I don't do that. He says the stands wheels came stock on a 2017 Air 9 RDO. And that, let's see... Um, I'm trying to like I'm. He pr- sent me a pretty big email and says this probably shouldn't all be talked about on the air because it was his personal experience with like the uh, warranty process. Oh, it. He says the feeling resembled a bad bearing because it like, I guess it just like loaded it up funny and like grumbled um, because the flange wasn't totally separated yet. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I could totally see that. You could probably wiggle the wheel like a little bit, and it felt like maybe. A tiny bit of a bad bearing. Yeah. Uh, also, the tire occasionally buzzed the chain stays. So. Mm. Dang. So yeah, definitely, yeah, I, definitely I flexing. Hope that happened. Um. He says that the man romper is something that blue collar people have been wearing for over a hundred years. Now some hipsters want to trim off the sleeves, call it fashion and charge 130 bucks. I guess everyone <laughs> needs to make a living on second thought. It could be one of those redneck, hold my beer and watch this moments, trim the sleeves and legs off his work coveralls and sell them on Pinterest for 130 bucks. Um, <laughs> so yes, I am thinking about buying some Dickies overalls and then just trimming them off and making my own man romper with them. So um, and he says he bought a carbon race wheel set through the mountain bike radio, Amazon affiliate link, which is a great way for me to plug. You don't have to spend money with mountain bike radio to support us. You can use the affiliate link to shop through Amazon, which gives us a kickback. So thanks for all that, Michael. Thanks for sharing your story. Next question is, uh, let's see. 
Adam from Massachusetts says, Hey, JRA, love the show. I found it especially useful to get me fired up to train indoors over the winter. First, shout out to Matt for having the sense to stop his race when he wasn't feeling great. Blah, blah, blah. Um, He says he's glad I talked about it on the show. It's nice to hear me have a good discussion. Um, Andrea, go with 29-inch wheels for the switchblades. I might have access to some sweet-ass Vermont maple syrup, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) I also have a quick question. After many years of focusing purely on technical mountain bike skills, I really started to enjoy building better overall fitness. Just checking to make sure I was recording. Uh, I still love manually routes and blasting downhills. I also enjoy climbs and being able to maintain a fast pace, even on longer rides. I bought an indoor trainer over the winter and have been enjoying trainer road workouts. While mountain biking is my focus, I have a cross bike that I commute on bonfire roads and use for the occasional outdoor training style road ride. If I could afford to put a power meter on just one of these two bikes, which should I put it on and why? I care more about my performance on the mountain bike, but I wonder if the data would be more useful from the cross bike. Any thoughts on what power meter to get would also be appreciated. Cheers, Adam from Massachusetts. Mm, that's a well, tough one. Why don't we? Why don't all three of us vote on which bike first? I can't make up my mind. I can't vote. <laughs> uh, I'm actually did, a really wait, difficult he... time voting as well. I would say my gut would say the bike that you're going to be able to do more consistent power on, which would be your cross bike. However, yep. mountain bike power meters have gotten pretty damn good, so I think they're pretty useful. Uh, did he so... say what trainer he's using? It's not a smart trainer. Well, I was going to say, like, if it was one of those trainers where you just put your, like, it's it's a, like, a cassette you put your chain on, I would definitely go with the mountain bike. Because then you can ride your mountain bike on the trainer. He didn't, well, those are all power trainers, though. Okay. I didn't so know all of them were power One trainers. more time, he is trying to figure out if he wants to put a power meter on a mountain bike or a cross bike. Or a yes. cross bike or a trainer. I, I no, was not clear on that. No, Andrea is trying to say buy a smart trainer, which I think is terrible. So, no, I didn't. I didn't know if he already had a trainer that used the cassette instead of the rear wheel. He doesn't say he does, and the only ones I'm familiar that do that are like the Wahoo style, and those are all fancy enough that they have a power meter built in. Okay. I would buy two power meters. I would buy a power meter for the mountain bike, <laughs> and I would get a smart trainer so in the winter you can actually enjoy yourself more and like do, uh, oh, what the hell, Zwift. And see, I was going to say if you spend, what's the point of that? If you buy one power meter, then buying another power meter is just the same cost as buying a smart trainer. So why wouldn't well, you just put a train a smart Thing Put on. a power meter on your other bike so you can ride it on the trainer with power. And yeah, but I mean, but that power would be so you could have your mountain bike because ultimately he kind of wants. Sounds like he wants power on the mountain bike, so you got that, and then you can do your kind of like really good power training, if you will, on the trainer with your smart trainer. Or you could just buy two power meters and buy one for your cross bike and your mountain bike, and just put your cross bike on the trainer. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, buy a, it's hard buy a million see. power meters. So what's going to happen is I'm going to vote it doesn't matter. Buy a power meter, put one on your bike, and what you're going to find is pretty, like once you really get into power training, you're really going to want another power meter so you can have it on your other bike, and you're just going to buy another power meter. So 
it doesn't matter. Like you're going to end up with them on both bikes because they're great. They're really, really awesome. You know, if you want to do accurate training and if you want to be able to go back, you know, like I did at my race this weekend, go back and be like, holy shit, I've gotten better. Um, you're, it's useful in both places. It's really useful in both places. So, you know, just, just get, shop around or, you know, talk to your bike shop, see if there's anything like on closeout through any of their distributors. Like if you can get a little bit, you know, knock a few bucks off of either a road one or a mountain one, go with whichever one you can get like on sale right now, but get, get a cork or, you know, SRMs are expensive. Um, I, I don't recommend the stages. Um, even though they are the cheapest and it's probably the fastest way to get power on both of your bikes, it's also the fastest way to not have power on both of your bikes. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> um, I'm going to put my two cents in is put it on the cross bike. Put a cork on your cross bike. And if you want to do long sustained efforts, which are going to be the best thing for raising your long sustained efforts on the mountain bike, then I think what would, I'm going to piggyback on what Andrea said, but differently. Uh, yes, I want to continue recording. Uh, you will, what you'll do is you'll, and this sounds counterintuitive, but you're going to put a power meter on your cross bike from Quark because their stuff works, actually works. And you'll then find yourself riding the cross bike outside once a week. Instead of riding your mountain bike, you know, you'll trade one mountain bike ride a week for a cross bike ride a week, and then you'll be much fitter on your mountain bike and you'll enjoy the one less mountain bike ride a week even more. And I say a week, it might not work out that way, but when the trails are wet, you'll have power on your cross bike. When you want to ride, you'll have, or ride the trainer, you'll have power on your cross bike, which you want to put on the trainer. When you want to, maybe throw your bike on the trainer because it's like iffy weather or you just want to spend for 30 or 40 minutes before or after work. Cause work's got you down this week. You can ride with power real quick. And then, you know, your mountain bike is off the trainer and ready to go. If you do get to sneak out of work early and go sneak in a mountain bike ride. I mean, I think that it sounds like you're a mountain biker and I understand where Kenny was going saying you'd want power on the mountain bike, but you're either going to put it on the cross bike and ride power on the cross bike, or you're going to end up riding your mountain bike a ton on the road because you want power when you're doing those hard efforts. That's my, and what's going to happen is when you ride with power, you're going to start to understand whatever your number is, your, your sweet spot, your good power. You're going to start to like learn what that hurts your legs like, and you won't need the power meter on the mountain bike quite as much. Yeah, I mean, it takes a while to really develop that feel, but yeah, you will learn and you'll be able to like kind of go by feel. So let's see if we can agree on something. What brand power meter should he get? Quark. quark. Yep, you get a quark. I can't think of. I can't think of another thing to spend your money on at this point, honestly. Um, I mean, really, if honestly, if. You know, we always say Quark because that's what we've used that works the best. There are other ones out there that we haven't used. Um, you know, Pioneer makes one. Raceface is doing one now. Um, Four that fixes, eyes. Yeah, 
the four so eyes. I've been told uh, the race face one kind of is using off the shelf technology. So like, it's not some ground up awesome thing that they're just like using some power meter that's already been out there and they just cram it in their stuff basically. So I've been told that it's like, okay, but it's, I'm guessing it's probably going to be kind of a stages situation. Right. So if I don't anyone, know for sure. If any of the other power meter manufacturers out there are listening and you would like us to recommend something besides Quark, it might take a while because we're going to test the shit out of it. But, you know, like I, I would like to try other power meters because I, I want to, you know, I, I want to be able to recommend anything that's good right now out of what I've used. Quark is the only, like, well, SRM is good too. Um, you know, Quark and SRM are what we have found to be reliable and, uh, you know, and good customer service and accurate. So, you know, there, there might be others out there, but that's our experience right now. I'd like to point out that it's a two prong thing that it's a really reliable product and B the company is knowledgeable about it and stands behind the product because they know it's expensive and they know you spend a lot of money on it and they will help you out. I've, I don't think I've ever, ever run into a situation with any customer's cork ever, even if something is like way past warranty. Oh yeah. They take care of it. I'm not saying they'll always do that, but damn, I mean, compared to other companies, they've been really good. So that's they huge. want you to be happy. Exactly. If I'm going to spend over a thousand dollars on a piece of electronic equipment, that's going to go on my bicycle and get the ship out of it. I want it to be backed up. Yep. And then, you know, it's, yeah. it's a sensitive piece of equipment. You know, I've talked before about how in like an exercise physiology lab, like the, the strain gauges and things that you use in there that are like shrunk down and weatherproofed and put in a bike, like they're real, they're sensitive to the humidity in the room. Like the temperature and the humidity in the room have to be controlled for that stuff. So the fact that you could put it on a bike and go drag it through the woods is pretty fucking amazing. You know, so everything can, can have problems, you know, but some things are going to have fewer problems. And, you know, like Kenny said, uh, the company's reaction to those problems is key. Yeah, once I had a Quark situation where I the person at Quark literally said, the computer doesn't say we have some of those, but I think they're here. I'm going to give you an RMA number. I need this thing to get in the mail. And I'm like, well, and he's like, I, I, I don't know. We're going to sort this out. I can't give you an answer because I don't know. He's like, but if this is in the mail, I can start trying to figure something out while it's in the mail. I don't need your – he's like, I don't need to just sit in the shop while I dig around and figure out what we're going to do. He's like, I'll have a solution by the time it's here. And like, no joke, I paid for two-day shipping. They turned it around in a day, and it was two-day shipped back to me, and the customer didn't miss a weekend. Um, and it was really amazing, so – and the failure wasn't even their product. It was an FSA crank that they had put a spider on and the drive side arm had like at, and the spindle were no longer bonded tight. It was like wiggly. So, and they, they, the guy like called me back stoked and he's like, I knew it. I knew he's like, we didn't have any units. We had some crank arms and I found those crank arms and. I just put the new crank arms on there, recalibrated everything, got some fresh batteries in it, and everything's good, and you're good to go. No charge, you know? So, it was awesome. Yep. Um, good yeah. shit. So, 
there you have it. No matter what you do, if you get a cork, you're you're gonna be able to be happy. And if you you're, can't, you're gonna have a good time. And if you can't be happy <laughs> with a cork, you might be Adam from Masshole <laughs> instead of Massachusetts, because you'd be an asshole if cork couldn't keep you happy. Um, <laughs> let's see. I think I skipped a question. Mm. Let's see. Uh, one more. Yeah. No. Yeah. Let's do one more. Is it a quick one? It's a really good one. So Paul lives in a riding desert as in there's nowhere to ride around him. JRA crew. I need some help keeping the juices flowing in my hands. I can deal with maxed (laughs) out legs and lungs, but I'm pretty well fucked when my hands go numb eating shit and dry nuggets aside. Nothing kills the joy of descending quicker than my lifeless dick beaters. I've been riding for about 16 years, the last four of which have been spent exclusively on a steel hardtail with aggressive geometry. Think 67 and a half degree head angle, 475 reach, short stays. Currently run a 130 millimeter Fox 34 with three volume spacers and 10 clicks of low speed compression. Ding! Rebound is set right around factory recommendations. I run a 50 stem, which thus far is the only thing I haven't changed since I'm not really sure going shorter is a great idea. I've swapped the bars and played with their positioning, changed grips, gloves, and gone gloveless. Also played with the stack height and brake lever position. Unlike you guys and gals, I recently moved to a riding desert. Not like Moab or Sedona. Think not a fucking thread of single track for at least an hour or two. So before and you I, got this big old bro hardtail. I recently moved. Cut him some slack. Jeez. <laughs> so before I head into town and roll the dice with a professional bike fitter who doesn't work for nuggets i'm asking for the three of i'm asking for three of the best free opinions i can get because fuck the internet so i'll leave it at that before <laughs> matt starts whining about my overly long question you guys don't suck thanks for the last the laughs and the best mountain bike podcast period paul from oregon so i'm gonna put my i thought i thought all of oregon had riding I guess he lives in a not riding part of Oregon. I'm going to put my hat, my two cents in the ring, in the circle, whatever you call it. If your hands go numb, you just pull over and give yourself the stranger on the side of the trail. Done. <laughs> that is, that's really helpful advice. Thank you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't, uh, let's play the game of your hands are going numb because your seat's in the wrong position and you're putting too much weight on your hands because your seat doesn't support enough of your weight. So you don't actually sit, but you lean a lot of weight on your hands and you're doing too much with your hands to be comfortable seated. I so think that makes sense. I would say that's a really good, it's, this is fucking complicated basically. So let's start there. <laughs> are you it's breaking up with me? complicated. Kenny? Yeah. So it's not, it's not you, it's me. Uh, the deal is it could be just physiology that you've got something a little bit different than everybody else. And so there's that or some previous injury or uh, who knows. So there's all that kind of stuff. Right. And then when it actually comes to fitting your bike, that's a whole nother world of things. And then on top of that, there's one other thing. It was on the, uh, tip of my tongue. Oh, just your riding form. So uh, from riding moto, it's very easy to get lazy and put weight on the bars and then you get arm pump and then you put too much weight on the front at the wrong times and you push the front and your hands go numb 
So a lot of times it's not really the fit that's the problem. It is your riding form that is the problem. You really have to work on supporting yourself with your core, like with your abs and your lower back and trying to keep just really light pressure on the bars. And that can be difficult. I mean, I don't have all the answers for that or or how to train yourself to not do that. I would start there personally. I would really, really concentrate on trying to strengthen your core and hold yourself up with your core. Um, Because if you just, wherever the bars are, if you just kind of like lean all your weight on them and then you try to change that habit by just moving the bars around or putting different grips on or different gloves, I don't think that's going to fix the problem. So that's my, that's my educated guess is that it's more riding form rather than fit. But it very well could be fit, absolutely. Like Matt said, saddle, that's an interesting place to start for sure. Um, and then, of course, just the obvious things like how much reach are you running or how much drop are you running? Uh, probably not much. I'm, I'm guessing that it's relatively short reach because he's, I mean, he's already got a 50 mil stem on there and a 130 mil fork. So I, I bet the bars are at saddle level. There's some really funny things that happen too. It's fascinating to me, and I'm not an expert when it comes to this, but sometimes when you're, you think that, oh, I'm putting too much weight on the bars, so I should make the reach shorter, 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 and all of a sudden, you're actually making things worse, and you do all kinds of strange things uh, because it's way too short, and it, like again, forces you to put weight on the bars. So, yeah, I know that's not a super – that's not a magic bullet answer for you, but I would make it. Cause it sounds to me like this bike is super compact. Does that sound that way to you guys? Well, yeah. 475 reach doesn't sound. It depends. We didn't get a size. Yeah, you didn't say how tall he is. Why don't we get more info from him and maybe we can point him in the right direction? Like, hey, are you relatively average proportion? Would you say how tall are you? And then we can get maybe all the specs also of like frame. a picture, a picture of his bike. Like Why don't we get a side? picture? Yeah, exactly, picture of him riding it from the side, and a um, picture of him without, like the bike without him on it. Like maybe we can see that his saddle is pointed as top tube or something. I don't know. Yeah. So any other info you can give us is good because trying to troubleshoot this over the internet is going to be pretty difficult. But my two cents would be: don't forget that it's not always just about fit. Some of it's just about how you actually ride the bike. And you can go, like, anyone out there who's like, oh, I, my body is in shit shape right now other than riding a bike, there's a website called doyogawithme.com. Um, they have all of the, like, you can, basically, you can start taking yoga classes for free off of that site. And there are videos about how to do every pose. There, There's stuff to read. There's beginner all the way up to like advanced stuff like there's shit where you like do headstands and handstands there's shit where you don't do headstands and handstands but uh that is that's basically what i do for strength training and it is at least for like during the cycling season when most of my focus is on riding um it is plenty to keep me in very good like balanced shape if I didn't do that, like if I don't do yoga on a regular basis, my back hurts and it just, it's not good. So uh, I would highly recommend that if you think that, as Kenny said, it's a kind of a, a form problem more than a fit problem. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. 
Boom. I'm sure Matt will put do yoga with me dot com in the comments. It's the called notes. the show notes. Jeez. The show notes. Do you even podcast, section, bro? Yeah, sometimes. All right. Uh, is that it? Is that a show? Yeah, I think so. Don't forget to uh, come to Salida and talk to Josh in the shop. Blow yeah. his mind. Yeah, that's it's just funny. not going to be very good if he hears the show, because then he'll know that it was a setup. That's okay. He'd probably be even more stoked. He's like, oh my god, I'm getting included on Inside JRA Jokes. This is fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh god. And then we can have him on one day. He'd be like, someone brought me nuggets. Yeah, just bring him a bunch of nuggets. Oh my god. I don't even know... If, uh, I don't know if there's a McDonald's in town or not. They're gonna have to it, get. They're gonna have to get flown in. It would be. It would be like on the main highway, and I never go out that way except to go to Walmart and go, go back of to. Of course, my house. there's a McDonald's in Salida. It's on Rainbow Boulevard. Well, that's the main highway. I mean, of course. I mean, there's not a place with a McDonald's that doesn't have. I bet if there wasn't a McDonald's in town, there would be one in the Walmart. Oh yeah, you're right. Like I if there, if the, because there's usually like a subway or some chain restaurant in a Walmart in yeah. those types of towns. So. That's a great idea. So yeah, if you if you come to Salida, don't. I mean, you can always bring me maple syrup. I, I'm never going to turn that down. Uh, but if he brought Josh some McNuggets, that would be hilarious. There you go. That's our show. Um, uh, let's see. We do have a... So, Tangible G made a mountain bike song sent over for us. You'll hear that right as soon as we wrap up. So Tangible it, G? I didn't stutter. Okay. Um, anything? Anyone else? Anyone else? Nah. Uh, no. I got a little quickie. Uh, Shimano has supposedly made a quick link. So end of the world is near. Also, oh, yeah. new Ultegra group is coming. So, um, yeah. Boom. Anything else? No, no, done. Nope. All right, here shut we go. It, shut it, shut it down. Bye-bye. That. Catch it back in the manual Cause you feeling sexual Lady looking at you like you messing with the vestibule Testicles look large I am now in charge Stop it in the front so you now look hard You know you wanna ride though Give the 20 dollars if you want the sick flow You know you wanna ride though Give the 20 dollars if you want the sick flow 
race face on the pedals, man. I was off the chain cause of Ritalin. Now my chain back on fuck a stimulant. This downhill shit got adrenaline. It's kinda sickening the way I kick it, man. I'm not belittling unless you one of them dudes riding around playing on a 26er. Thinking he's cool for taking tizzers. I got news for you, bro. Your switchbacks are whack. You ain't even keeping on the track. I saw you take the shortcut that we be trying to block. Now I'm getting my Glock if you try to move that log. You could be sure I'll shoot you on the spot. Uh, you know you wanna ride though. Give the 29 if you want the sick flow. Uh, you know you wanna ride though. Give the 29 if you want the sick flow. 24 hours go by, my disc breaks are probably catching on fire. They child stop, but I ain't looking to retire. My 29 ties are built to be admired. You really think your 27.5 can take on a bike that's designed to fly and rip up trails and have it on the grace and stop? It can blow motherfuckers like you out the wild! Uh, you know you wanna ride though, get that 29 if you want the sick flow. Uh, you know you wanna ride though, get that 29 if you want the sick flow. Uh, you know you wanna ride though, get that 29 if you want the sick flow. Uh, you know you wanna ride though, get that 29 if you want the sick flow. Thank you for listening, and just a reminder to go over to mountainbikeradio.com slash support MBR if you want to support the show. And make sure that all of this keeps rolling. So thank you and have a good day.